0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're going to talk a little bit about how come we make decisions in life and they don't stick. And um, how come everything we said we were going to do last year, we're coming back this Rosh Hashanah, and most of it, including myself, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me, including myself, um, didn't really come through with what we said we were going to do. Okay, I'm going to make believe I have notes anyway. Okay, so we're going to look at, first of all, I heard something very beautiful today. So so this year is Tavshin Samach, the year that's ending. Samach is enclosed, right? Samach is enclosed. This year, we sort of um, felt like Kleistro was a bit enclosed, went through very hard times. But next year begins the decade of Ayin. Ayin is made up, the ayin is actually made up of two letters. A yud, when you put them together, right? If you um, if you look at the top of it, it's a yud, sort of, and a zayin. And so somebody said today that ayin is made up of a yud and a zayin, which equals 17. 17 equals tov. So Bezrat Hashem, the decade of ayin will be very good for the Jews. Amen. Okay. So I'd like to take apart a little bit tonight, um, not only in, in Judaism, not only in spirituality, you know, w- why we make decisions in life and we're not able to, to stick with them. And you know, uh, I was talking about diets last night, um, and uh, we call it streaks. And many, many of us decide that we're going to do something and it turns into a streak. And then when we break the streak, we go off the wall totally. Right? Um, I had a boy that used to, didn't miss Minion for like 10 years. The whole story with me and him. And um, and what happened is that he missed, all of a sudden I didn't see him in Minion anymore by Landau's. Didn't see him around by Mincha. I didn't see him around by Chakras. And uh, I called him to find out what's going on. He said he wasn't in Minion for like 3-4 weeks. I said 10 years you didn't miss Minion. Now you're not, you're missing Minion. He says, yeah, I, I, one day, whatever, he went with his friends, and, and it, it ended up being, I don't know if they got drunk, I don't know exactly what happened, but they never made it back to even Shemr Shabbos' last mirev, which is 2.30 a.m., right? Rosh Hashem last week after this year, I ended up in that mirev. It's a great mirev, 2.30, they down mirev, and there's like 30 people at that minion. I'm like, I know why I'm there, but I don't like to try to figure out why they're all there. But a lot of the guys that are dating and, and things are going really good, they're they're at that 2.30 million. So So you got a bunch of musicians and photographers hanging around, giving out their cards, any guy who shows up for two thirty million, you know, they get that clean shaven look and that starry eyed look, and you know? also two thirty million is chasa- are guys who are about to become chasanim because the date that lasts till two thirty, we're figuring that they probably went out at eight o'clock. It's really a good thing. So uh, I hang out there once in a while to see what's happening. You know, a little drama. Okay, so Akeidas Yitzchak, which is which is very very important, which we read in the and the yomim they to remind Hashem of the great sacrifice. In fact, it's brought down that, okay, that that every time Hashem, whatever this means, we don't know exactly what it means, but it's brought down in Kabbalah that every time Hashem gets angry at Klai because we deserve that Hashem should get angry, not that He ever gets angry, It's not the, but for us to understand, we have to use words that humans understand. So He looks at, this is what it says in Kabbalah, He looks at the Afar, right, the, the ashes, the Afar of Yitzchak. The ashes of Yitzchak on the Mizbeach. That's what it says. So, in the Yom and the Rayim, in the days of Or, Shani and Kippur, these are the days where we talk to Hashem about Akedas Yitzchak. It's very important. We read it, we read it, right? We lay in it, we read it. Akedas Yitzchak, to remind Hashem of the Akedah of Yitzchak. So, and, and it's the, probably the biggest chutz that Klai Yisrael has. And therefore it says that Hashem looks at the ashes of Yitzchak. And the question that everyone asks is, what ashes? They never burnt Yitzchak. He was never brought as a sacrifice. So what does it mean that Hashem looks at the ashes of Yitzchak? There are no ashes of Yitzchak. So what does this mean in the Zoya, when it says that when Hashem gets upset, He looks at them as Beach, the Akedas Yitzchak, and He sees the ashes, and then He forgives us. It's a very hard thing to understand. So, we're going to go back to the, to the story um, in Pasha's Vayera. Because so it's very important, it's very connected to Rosh Hashanah. Um, and if you, look at, uh, if you look at the Akedah, it says the following. It says, Vayihi hadvarim ha'ela. And it was after these things, Avraham, Hashem decided that he's going to test Avraham. So the question is, what are these things? The Torah tells us that it was after these things, Hashem decided to test Yitzchak. What happened? So the Medrash says that, interesting, just, you know, I'm a little ADD, so I jump around a little bit, but I try to come back to where, where I'm supposed to be. Um, the Gemara this week, we're talking about um, about uh, the, the Afar of, of the, the ashes of Yitzchak, and um, there's a story that what happened by was that the Satan came, there was a party, Abraham Avinu made a party. But he gomel when when Yitzchak became old enough that he wasn't nursing anymore, right? So I, I think it was three years old. I think it was three years old, that um, or two years old, and he wasn't anymore nursing. So they made a party, and it says there that vayigdal hayeled mister made a huge party. But gomel is Yitzhak. On the day that he weaned—that's the word that we use—that he weaned Yitzchak. Weaned means he weaned him off nursing, because it also brings down that a person who to learn Torah, a person has to eat bread. So, so a child when they're nursing can't really absorb the Torah, but once he's once he's able to eat, right? So, what was the simcha that he stopped nursing? What's the simcha, right? The simcha is that once he's starting to eat, he's able—you're able to teach him Torah. So that was what why Avram Avinu made this big party. Now, at this big party, says the Medrish, which is really important to all of us, I mean, it's Hashem, girls are going to get married, people, people are having children when you're making simchas. And whenever you make a simcha, right? So, today we don't have karbonot. In the old days, in the old days, you know, in the times of the on HaMikdash, so if you had a baby, you you brought a carbon toida, toida means thank you, to Hashem to thank Him. If you made a bar mitzvah, you brought a karbon toida, maybe after the wedding you brought a carbon toida, it was a, a sacrifice of thanks. We don't have that anymore today. So today, since there's no base Hamikdash, the carbon toda is the giving the poor people to eat at your wedding. That is considered the carbon toda. So it's a very bad thing if you make a wedding and you tell the caterer, anyone who's coming collecting, don't let him into my wedding give, you know, some people think they're very nice, and they say to the caterer, here's $500, any poor person who comes to the door of the hall, give them 20 bucks and send them packing. I don't want people coming to my wedding, you know, collecting. Anyway, how much are they going to collect? Here's $20, here's $100. It's wrong. It's not the money. It's very important that when you make a simcha, that you invite a poor person, and you make sure that you give them to eat. You make sure that you give them to eat. So, The Satan came to Avram Avinu's party. And it says that Avram Avinu was busy with the guests that were at the party. And Sarai Menu, who would have helped the poor people at the time, what happened was, the Medrash says, that when Avram Avinu invited everybody to come to this party, because he had a son, the rest of the world did not believe that this child, Yitzchak, came from Sarai Menu. They said... That, Aramavinu probably married some young girl, and she gave birth, and he got rid of the young girl, he sent her packing, and he gave the baby to Sarimenu, and they're playing this whole miracle bit, right, about God and a miracle, it's a, it's, they made it up! And that Sarah's 90 years old, there's no way this woman had a baby! So Kush made a miracle, and Sarimenu was able to nurse, and, but her nursing, right, she wasn't nursing Yitzchak anymore. So they didn't believe that she could nurse. So Abraham Avinu said, if you don't believe that my wife had a child, take your babies and she'll nurse them. So on that day, I don't remember the number, 200, 2,000, I don't remember the number exactly. But on that day, Sarah Imenu nursed all the guy and brought their babies because they could not believe that a 90-year-old woman would be able to nurse their babies. So they all brought their babies to Sarah Imenu. So she had no way that she was going to help the poor people. She was in her tent nursing all these babies. Avraham Avinu didn't even see the satan; he was busy with his people. So the satan was not given to eat. And he went up. By the way, there's a, there's a very interesting. Um, I think it's brought down in Rav Chayim Vital in his sefer. Maybe it's from the Maybe it's from the Kadosh. That where, where do the, the, the people who are gayrim, the non-Jews who become Jews, where does that come from? Why does this non-Jew want to become a Jew? And this non-Jew, you know, he's searching. Not that we went, we don't go out. We don't go out to make non-Jews Jews. So the, the non-Jew has to search. Why does this non-Jew live in Phoenix, Arizona, or in Mexico, or in California, right? Or in some, some way out place. Why does that person all of a sudden get up in the morning and say, I want to learn about Judaism? Where does it come from? So, so I, he brings it down, Rav Chaim Vital, I believe, that all the children that were nursed from Sari Imenu, because they got a yunika, they got nutrients from Saru Imenu, their neshamos go through Gilgulim until they're able to become Jews. says, so any person who was a ger, originally was one of these children that on that day was nursed by Sari Imenu. That's, I believe, what Rav Chaim... I know, I know that I saw it, I'm not sure on which sefer... There's another thought, and that is that Gerimar, when God came, when Hashem came to all the different nations, and the nation said, what's written, you're not allowed to murder? I don't want any part of it. So that was most of the nation. But there were some people that said, I don't murder anyway, I would like to get the Torah. But because the majority of of Esau and Yishmael said no, these people were outvoted. But they still wanted to become Jews. They wanted the Torah. So Hashem said, "Whoever wanted the Torah will one day get the Torah." And therefore, through all the gulgulim, till the neshamas come, those are the of the, the non-Jews who once upon a time said yes when Hashem asked if you wanted the Torah, but were outvoted. So everything in this world, everything in this world, has a chesed. I want to tell you, this is not—I'm not even this is not what, I'm, what I was supposed to speak about tonight. But you know, Hashem sends messages now. I want to tell you what happened today to me. Um, you know, by mincha. So, I, you know, we, we we I have a terrace nava, and I opened up yesterday, and I spoke to the girls. You know, I talk a lot about Hashem and how you can see Him on the outside, and, 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 and how you see Hashem in your body, and, and you just have to look, and He's He's all over the place. So, I finished mincha today. Um, I went early because I went to the city to this to this wedding, and there's a man that's chasing me down the street, an old chassidish man. I'm like, oh, he saw me on Torah anytime, but he didn't look like the guy that has a computer. That would be, you know, on Torah anytime. So he catches up to me, goes, Rabbi Wallerstein? I'm like, yeah. I thought maybe he's collecting money. I don't know what he wanted from me. He says, do you remember me? I hate that question. I'm like, sure. He's like, how? I never met you before. No. He said, <laughs> said do you remember me? And I'm like, um, which reminds me of another story. Oh, it's going to be crazy tonight. Um, I said, no, I, I don't remember you. So he said, I came up to your office. Um, you were once speaking about, um, you know, to help to have children. I told this story a long time ago, maybe six years ago in Ornava, um, a story where, where, about ten years ago I was in Nostrum Avenue, was where my office was, and a man, a very poor old man came collecting Sedaka, and I at that time, or Hashem, I was doing very well, and I had a very open hand, and whoever came to me I just, just wrote the check. It like, was like, forget about it. And this old man came, he wasn't, seemed not to have been doing well, and he sat down in front of me and he cried out his heart out about his daughter, whatever it was. And I wrote him, I don't know, I wrote him a pretty big check. So when he looked at the check, he said to me, you know, Ray Wallstein, you did something for me. I'm going to do something for you. And he took out of his pocket three silver Hays. Hays, letter hay, the letter hay. three silver Hays. And he said, Ray Wallstein, take these three silver Hays. If anybody ever comes to you who doesn't have children, you give them a hay to wear. And I give a bracha that they'll have children okay I get all kinds of trinkets and stuff and you know when you give tzedakah here's a red string here's an ox's eye here's a, an, uh, an ostrich eye and a tiger eye and all kinds of stuff so I took my silver haze and I'm like thank you very much I walked into the door and I put it into my I put it into my drawer about a month after that this young chasidish man comes to me and he's collecting money he heard Wallstein's giving out money he's collecting money He's, he's married for 10 years and he has no children and they have to do in vitro and it's $10,000 each time and he needs to re- raise the $10,000. His wife is beyond herself. It's causing Sean Bias problems, whatever it is. And, I, and, you know, he's crying his eyes and I'm thinking to myself, forget the $10,000. Instead of giving him a check, I'll give him the hay. Right? I already paid for the hay. So I took out the hay and I said, Tell your wife, I don't know, maybe it was, you know, I'm always into every old man. I don't recognize Eliar Navi. I said, you know, maybe it was Eliar Navi. I don't know who this guy was. I never saw him again. I'm like, he, he gave me these magical haze. You know what? Try it. So this guy looks at me and he says, Rabbi Wallstein, I'm, I'm 10 years without children. You don't think I have a, a million different things that I went to rabbanim on that they gave me schoolers? He said, my wife's going to throw me out of the house. If I come home and tell her I got another schooler, she's going to throw me out of the house. I said, I want you to know that after I got the haze, I opened up a Tama Menhagim, which has Inyonei Segula, the real Segulas, and I looked up in the Tama Menhagim, is there such a thing as a silver hay helping someone to have children? And guess what? The Tama Hagim says that Rai couldn't have a child until she got a hay. Rachel couldn't have a child until she gave Yaakov Billah, which has two hays. Billah got pregnant from one of her hay's. The other hay from Billah's name went to Rachel. And then she had Yosef. This is Tommy Ben Hagen. So now everyone's thinking in the room, Oh my goodness, I don't have a hay in my name. No. And there's a lot of people who don't who don't have a hay who have children, there's people who have a hay. He just brings that down that there is a power in a hay, and if it's made out of kesef, and it's a certain hay in a circle, whatever it is, and I'm reading this, I'm like, oh my goodness, so, so I said to him, do me a favor I'll make a photocopy of this take the hay, with the photocopy of the toleum and hug him and show it to your wife he says, okay, but can you give me some money anyway? <laughs> so me not really knowing if this hay is going to work so I gave I gave, I gave, gave him a check whatever it is, and I gave him the hay nine months later I'm telling you, as ages, I'm standing in front of you. I could have him come in front of you. Now he doesn't have one child. Now he has about four. Nine months later, little Sarah was born because I told him the whole thing came from Sarai Sarah, so he named her. I was by. I was by the kiddush. He named her Sarah. And Baruch Hashem, they have today three or four or three or four children. Okay. Oh, so so now I had the hot hay right? This is unbelievable. So I told him, do me a favor. When your wife gives birth, I need the hay back, right? I'm, I'm going to use it. I need the hay back when she gives birth. I need the hay back. Interesting. She was in like 40 hours of labor, and he called me and he said, "What? You know, what, what? What do I do? You maybe have another school. You seem to be good at it, right?" So I said, "Is she still wearing the hay?" He said, "Yes." I said, "Take it off," because the hay also is against. A person losing the child, so it helps, It keeps the child in. It's one of the schoolers against the miscarriage, so I'm like, get the hay off now, right? So she took the hay off, within an hour she gave birth, I was very excited, I said, you got to give me that hay, I no works. I don't know about the other two, that one works. Okay, two, three days later, I'm like, no, bring me back my hay, she's like, I'm really sorry, Evan Wallerstein, but she, for whatever reason, I don't know, they, she had to take off the hay, maybe they had to take an x-ray in the middle, I don't know exactly, she took it off when you told her to, she put it next to the bed, and then they wheeled her from that room to the operating room, maybe it was a syrian, I don't remember exactly, the bottom line is, it's lost. Okay, I'm like, I, I wanted it for that person, and have a good day, fine. Next story, another girl, 12 years, no children, someone that I knew very well, whatever it is, this hay works, we gave her a hay, she had twins. I'm like, wow. Send me back the hay. She was from out of town. Send me back the hay. Yes, I'm sending you back the hay. Da-da-da, for sure. It's unbelievable. Right. Go to my mother's house. I sent her. She, she's out of town. She's not in this state. I don't want to give anyone, anyone who might know, so I don't want to give the information. But she's out Midwest. So her mother's going to bring me the hay. So I call the mother. It's like, well, mamash before Pesach, I want that hay back. I call the mother. The mother says, I'm very, very sorry. But um, the, the pocketbook that had the hay, I forgot. No, I forgot. And when I emptied out the pocketbook, I forgot that I put the hay in the zipper. And I gave that pocketbook away to Tzedakah. And I have no idea where it is anymore. So my second hay was gone. But I understood this is what Hashem wanted for whatever reason. Anyway, so I had one left and that one is also gone really? so I went out it's also gone whatever somebody's wearing it so I know where it is but it's, it's somebody's wearing it so then I went out and I uh and I started to buy these hays and you can make the hay I know what the hay look like whatever it is okay so this it? man that's <laughs> from I, yeah, I'm, I buy it actually from a man who comes from Eretz Israel I have no idea how to reach him and every once in a while he shows up in my office and he's got Millions of this, of feather, a, a, a piece of linen from the, from a rebbe, and he's got all kinds of, all kinds of stuff, and he happens to have these haze. So I haven't seen him in a very, very long time. But I'm mean, going to if I get more haze, there are people the waiting, if I get more haze, I'll get more But that's not, that's not the objective, that's not what, that's not the, so anyway, this chassid, this chassidish old man that's running after me, <laughs> I just tell you something amazing. So today, this happened today by Mincha. He says to me, Rawalsi, you don't remember me? I heard your share on the haze. And I came to you for a hay. And you told me that you didn't have any, but you told me the whole school of the hay. So I told my my daughter, who had no children for 10 years, that Rebbe Wallstein, when he gets a hay, I'm going to get it from him. And my daughter said, I don't need a hay, according to Rebbe Wallstein. My name is Leah. I have a hay in my name. Now, that's not what I meant if you have a hay in your name or not. The silver hay just brought down this Kabbalah school of things. There are people who don't have hays that have, that have 10 kids. And there are people, has nothing to do with it. It's just from Sarai, we learned that there's a power in a hay. Okay. So he says to me, I went to my daughter, and I told my daughter that, you know, and she said, I don't need a hay, Tati. Tell Rabbi Wallstein to give it to someone else. I have a hay. She totally misunderstood my whole message. He says, but I want to tell you today that thank you, thank you, because my daughter is pregnant. Okay, I have nothing. What I do? I didn't give her a hay, right? But I want. To, it's the second part of the story. He says, Ray Walsky, I just want to tell you what happened, just in case someone doesn't know that God runs the world. He says, after I came, told you my daughter about the hay, and she said she doesn't need a hay. Um, she got a phone call from an organization, whatever it is. They knew that she didn't have children for ten years, and she got a phone call that there's a little baby to adopt, if she's interested. So she went ahead and she adopted this little baby. He said, I want you to know something, Rabbi Wallstein. I'm, I'm not making any, I'm repeating it from exactly, Hashem knows, I'm, from exactly what this man said to me. He said, Red Wallstein, I want to tell you something. He said, my daughter is expecting the date that the doctor gave her that she's expected to have this child is the day a year ago that she adopted this baby. To the date, the birthday." The birthday of the child that Amir Sashem she's gonna have after 10 years is gonna be the birthday, the day that this woman adopted that child. Now you tell me that that's a coincidence. Hu runs, well happened today. Hu runs the world. Now where was I before that? Help me out. Before I got to that story. Okay. Well, you don't remember either, so you're all in the same posture that I am. Alright. What? right no okay so that, that part I remember but there was a story in the middle of me talking, You're talking about the right the Kedosh like <laughs> I remember okay so there was, there was something else in my mind that I wanted to say alright anyway so now I just wanted to show you that you know we talk about Chesed so, so this, this grandfather this is going to be the grandfather of this child he was so excited he was like and whilst he looked at the Yad Hashem the birthday of the oh, she didn't have children for 10 years the birthday on the day she said tell tell everybody tell everybody what Chesed can do Tell everybody what Chesed could do. The birthday of her real child is, is the birthday of her adopted child. It's amazing. It could, on the day it could have been a day before, a day after, you could say maybe if it's Mamish, The day she's expecting is on that day. I don't know. These things make me crazy. You guys take it just in stride. I have no problem. But I'm like whoa, like uh, you know, you should be jumping and crying and screaming. I don't know. Okay, it's late. It's not. It's late. All right. Anyway, so let's get back to Kedushas okay, Yitzchak. So, so nobody gave the sultan attention. So he ran up to Hashem and he said the following. Oh, now I remember Eov, Okay. So so he ran up to Hashem and he said, Hashem, look at Avram Avinu. He made a big party for his friends and he didn't even bring a carbon to you to thank you. you. You think he's such a big tzaddik. He didn't even bring a carbon, an animal, as a sacrifice. He didn't even give a duck of food as a sacrifice to, to show you thanks. So Hashem answered the satan. You're talking bad about my Avraham that he didn't bring a sacrifice? My Ramavinu would even bring his child as a sacrifice. Satan said, got you. Let's see. Hashem made a statement. Not a got you. I mean, it's not a game. Hashem made a statement that my Ramavinu, the child that he's making the party for, he would even sacrifice him. Said the satan, I don't believe it. Prove it. By he after after this these things happened, these words that the satan brought to Shemayim, then Akresh Baruch came to Avraham and said, "You have to bring your son as for an akeda." We we cause the things that happen in Shemayim are by are by the things that we do. If Avraham would have given him to eat, there would have been no akeda. So of course, in the end, it worked out. Of course, it, 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 the satan killed himself because akedas yitzchak is what is what brings Rachman, Rosh Hashanah, and Kippur. Akedah is what brings, brings the din and changes it into Rachman. The silly Satan, he set the whole thing up. The whole Akedah Yitzchot. But he expected it to fail. But it passed. So many times we are tested in life and, and the Satan gets us into these situations thinking that we're going to fail. But if we pass, it is the greatest weapon against him. Because the whole thing, he, the, whole, the whole drama he set up. And if you pass that drama and you use it against him, there's nothing bigger. And that's, that was Akedas Yitzchak. So, what happened over here, and, and, and this is what I started talking about, is, if you look in the Pesach, it says, mm-hmm. He tested Avram. By Yom, and he said the following, First of all, we learn manners from the Torah. Even God, who could say, take your son, used the word na. na. Please, please take your son. Es the, Yichidcha, the only one actually, there was a Yishmol also, as a Ha'ashah Hafta, that you love, as Yitzchak. Lelech Lecha el Eret go to the land of Moriah, which is Eretz Yisrael, and bring him up for an oilah, al I'm not telling you which mountain. I'm going to tell you which mountain. Sort of the same thing as Lech Lecha. Okay, the next passage is very hard to understand. Avraham gets up in the morning. He saddles his own donkey. He takes Eliezer and Yishmal. He goes out the next morning and he chops down trees for the wood. To burn Yitzchak on when he brings him up as a sacrifice. Why did Avram Avinu chop wood here? Hashem told him, Go to the land of Moriah, go on top of a mountain. Why would Avram chop wood, stick it on a donkey, and schlep it for three days? There's plenty of wood in the land of Maria. He didn't tell Avram, Go to the desert. He told him to go to Eretz Yisrael. There's plenty of wood. And to go up on a mountain. If you're going to tell me he didn't know if the mountain had wood, but definitely near the mountain had wood, he didn't have to schlep for three days, why did he get up the next morning and go in his backyard and chop wood? It's very hard to understand. Okay. And he went on his way to the place that Hashem chose for him. Onward. But Yomay Avramel, the Arav, he told the boys to stay back, Yishmael and Eliezer. But Niva, Nah, Nelcha, we're going to go up. For some reason, girls, ladies, this atze ha'oilah, this wood that he chopped, seems to be a very important detail in Akedas Yitzchak. Who cares about the wood that he chopped? We know. If you bring a carbon, you have to have a fire. So of course he chopped wood. Why do we need to know that he chopped wood the next morning? And why do we know that he, why do we need to know that he took the atzei o'la? And what did he do with the wood? He put it on his son's back. He didn't take the Khamar up the mountain. Why not? Why didn't he bring the Khamar with all the goodies that he needed for the carbon? up the mountain to the Mizbeach and do the Akedah. Why would you take, and now this is not a little piece of twigs. This is, you know, they made a, a Mizbeach. These were big, fat, thick pieces of wood. Why would Avraham Avinu make Yitzchak climb the mountain with wood on his back? We learn this, we say this every year. Rosh Hashanah, he learned it like, what, what, he's a mean father? Why did he leave the donkeys at the bottom? And and, and, and Yitzchak became the donkey. He put the wood specifically on his back. What did Avram Avinu take? The flint. The knife. And they went as one up the mountain. Now Yitzhak also didn't understand what's going on over here. He said, Dad. And his father said, Yeah, I'm your dad. I'm here for you, my son. I think the biggest words. I spoke about it to the boys last night. You know, last week I told you a pretty scary story for the Noam Eli Melech about this guy who died, this tzaddik who died, and he um, he he came back to the Noam Eli Melech to tell him what it, what it meant, what how it was on the other side. And he said that when he died, um, he climbed out of his grave. He thought he was still alive. Not his body, but his spirit climbed out of the grave, and all he wanted to do was go home. And he tried to climb over the cemetery walls. We spoke about this last week. He tried to climb over the cemetery walls, and he couldn't get over the walls, and he tried to get out of the cemetery on the other side, and there was a river, and he couldn't get over the river, and he took a piece of wood, and all of a sudden a malach showed up, a very big malach, and said to him, what are you trying to do? You are not. Al- you can't get out of the cemetery. You're not alive. You're buried. You're not alive. And he took that neshama, that ruach, right? And he took it to the next world for judgment. And the judgment I didn't go through with you. It's not, not really part of the story. But what my point last week was, and what I told the boys last night, my point last week was that when a person leaves this world, right, the first thing is he wants to go home. He doesn't want to go. He didn't, this Neshama was of a big taliq. He didn't say, I want to go to Gan Eden. He didn't say, I want to go to Alam Haba. He didn't say, I want Mashiach. He didn't say, I want to go to Eretz Yisrael. He said, I want to go home. Three times. Three times he tried to get home. He tried to get over the wall. He couldn't. He tried to go through the river. He couldn't. He got a piece of wood. He couldn't. He just wanted to go home. Because a bias neman, a bias in Klai Israel is a base Hamikdash. A house, a home, a family is the most important part of Judaism. The breakdown of, of Judaism today is the breakdown of the family. I say it's not that the, the Judaism is breaking that breaks the family. It's that the family is breaking that breaks the Judaism. A, a wholesome family, a wholesome house, a wholesome relationship between kids and parents... And, and the kids are just as much to blame as the parents And the parents are just as much to blame as the kids And you got to make it work And you know my whole thing with Bechira These are your parents You didn't pick them And these are your children You didn't pick them But you got to do the best with what Hashem gave you Because He makes the match up And there's no one better that makes the match up And if He makes the match up Then He expects it to work And you got to try to make it work And we see here from this story It's a, it's a very scary story That's all they want to do is All they want to do is they want to go home That so every person wants to go home so I told, I, told, I told the boys last night, I said that, you know, usually I talk to the kids about giving of the aim, but it's on the other side also, the parents, right? If you're going to have children, you have to know that you have to make a home, a place that, you, that children can come, and you have to tell them that you love them, and you have to hug them, and when they make mistakes, you're allowed to love someone who does wrong things. People don't know that. You're allowed to love your children if they make mistakes, and you're allowed to love your parents if they make mistakes. It doesn't say anywhere in the Torah, you're not allowed to love someone who makes mistakes. There's no such thing. Kids make mistakes. So that doesn't mean you don't love them and you have to let them know. In the hardest time of Avram Avinu, and Yitzchak's relationship, where a father was taking his son to kill him. I don't know how many parents take their children up a mountain This was the most probably terrible part of their relationship. What was the answer that Avram Avinu told Yitzchak when he said, Dad, what's going on? Learn from the Torah everything. This is the book you need to learn from. There's no other book, no other author, no other Meshuggah guy who slept on the street somewhere wrote a book who's now in college and you go listen to to their speeches you need to do it because you need to get your degree so you can help uh, children but don't believe anything that you read who are the people that wrote this stuff a bunch of drunks read you know who you know Freud I don't have to tell you who he was he was no tzaddik. the Torah has everything in it yes I am I'm going to get emails yes you got to go to college because to be a social worker and to be a speech therapist to be an OT to be whatever you want you can't be one unless you get that degree. But don't believe in that degree. That's a means to an end. That's not an end. Don't, doesn't mean that what you learn, all that stuff from all these mushchasim that wrote it, and half the professors, excuse me, that teach it, mushchasim liberals, homosexuals, that are teaching you, don't bow down to these people and believe that, they, that, that this is the M.S., this is not the MS. I'm sorry if I'm blowing away all you college kids. This is not the MS. You need to learn it because if you don't get that degree, you're not going to help that Jewish kid or that other kid. You're not going to be a nurse. You're not going to be able to help anyone because as much as you're going to walk in there and say, I learned my chumash. I went to Red Wall Shiurim. You know, I, I, I know all of Eliyot Lapyan's Musser. I'm a, um, I, I know Chavitz Halavovitz by heart. in the Sharim. Bye. You're not going to get a job. So it's, a, it's definitely a means to an end, but it's not the end. You want a psychology book? You want to learn about a human being the way they think? Here it is. This wasn't written by some drunk gay guy sleeping in the streets. This is written by God. Why are we so busy with all the other stuff when you have the book that's written by God? We're not in such fear of our teachers as we are of our professors. We're not so into our chumish as we are into our education in the books and our textbooks that we come home from college, Kaddish Kedoshim. But I, Bar Hashem, am lucky enough that every once in a while I get a little glimpse in the tire, a little bit, of what it means to have a relationship with a child. It's like, Avi, he said, Dad, what's going on here? We got wood, we got fire, we got a knife. What's going on here? And Avraham Avinu answered, B'ni, I'm here for you. That's it. You're here for me? I'm not worried about the knife, the fire, the wood. I'm not worried about where you're taking me. Dad, you're here for me? B'ni, two words. Two words of therapy. I am here for you, my son. There's a lot of young girls in this room. Mitzvah Hashem, you're going to get married, you're going to have children. You must always say, however you would say it in Hebrew, I'm here for you, my daughter. I'm here for you, my son. No matter what, what you do, what you're going through, what's happening, you need to know one thing. I am here for you. This is Chumash. This is written by God. This is Avram Avinu. In the most trying moment of a relationship. Yineni B'ni. You read this on Rosh Hashanah. You need to know that no matter what you're going through in life, and no matter what you ask Hashem, there's a knife, there's fire, there's wood, there's sickness, there's so much. I could just What's going on?" Hineini bini says Hashem. I am here for you, my child. This is his Torah. This is Hashem speaking. Hineini bini. Whatever you're going through, Klai Israel, in this past year, I am here for you. Amazing. Two little words. Not five hours of drama and talking and schmoozing, and I got to hire. The- Again, it's all important if you don't have in any beneath. That's what you young mothers and mitzvah shem. You need your children and the and the women who have children and grandchildren. Your children need to know I am always here for you. Wrong, right. Your mother, your father were behind you. We're not going to agree with everything. We're going to criticize you when you say something, but we're there for you. We're not going to let you fall. And if, we, if you do fall, we're going to pick you up. What an amazing Pusik to say on Rosh Hashanah. Say, I also don't understand. Ah. So Yitzhak said, okay, you're here for me, Dad. So We got wood. We got fire. Where's the animal? Where's the sack? So Avram was like a good parent. And Avram said, Hashem will show you the animal. He didn't answer him. He didn't answer him. He didn't say, you are the animal. That's what he was asking. He said, We'll show us the animal. And then the Pasuk repeats itself you will stand Rosh Hashanah, you'll hear the laning, it's going to mean so much different to you. You're going to stand there, you're going to start crying, and the people next to you are like, what? Why are you crying? Like, why are you getting so emotional? Because, you know why? Because I know Hashem is saying, right now, I'm here for you. So, the passage repeats itself, and it says, that after this question went back and forth, right? Right? They went together, but you already said, that they went together. to psukim before you said, So we know they went together. So why are you repeating, after we ask, where's the seh? Why are you repeating he went together? So the secret of a diet, of a diet, I know, you know, it's a big secret in how you keep a diet, and of a diet for your soul, that when you make a decision you're able to keep it, is all in the Akedas Yitzchak. And I will answer all the questions I asked, with one answer and the answer is as follows Avraham knew that many times you make a decision in life right people are like I'm not smoking anymore but right but I'm going to a wedding and I have a big business meeting there's a lot of pressure on me so Sunday it's now Tuesday Sunday I'm going to stop smoking he will never stop smoking you gotta throw the pack of cigarettes, you gotta make that decision we spoke about about building the top floor first. You gotta throw it away in one shot. But but many of us have these thoughts. You know, you come out of a share, you're all excited, I'm gonna change my life. But not now, because I already bought the tickets for the concert that I'm going to, you know. I just bought this new CD, it's not Jewish, but I gotta hear it. I mean it's stupid, I wasted money about you know, I can't throw it out. So so after the song, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop listening to non-Jewish music after the song. You know, I'm gonna fill myself up with all the bad songs, and then I'm gonna Throw them all out the window. That's the her. That'll never happen. Hello? Greg Wallstein also tries to diet. And many times, right, I, Shabbos, you know, a guy, especially on Shabbos, so you have cholent and shul after davening, especially in the summer. I daven at 7.30. So at nine o'clock we finish davening and we have cholent at nine o'clock in the morning for breakfast with herring, with kishka, with grievin, with pacha, with forget about it. And that's breakfast. And then, you got to eat your wife's children so she gets insulted. But you also have to eat your next-door neighbor's children because he keeps telling you that his wife's is better and you got to taste hers. So by the time Mati Shabbos comes around, you're like super bloated out of your brain. You're like so bloated, like, you know, between the fish and the eggs and the soup and the chopped liver. and uh, Guys, I'm not talking about girls, right? Then it comes Mati Shabbos. You have to eat my You have no choice, right? You have to eat my so well, You going to have to wash, right? Okay, I already ate so much, right? All this is like my whole stomach is like giggling. I might as well eat pizza, just throw it into the pot, you know. Go pizza, meat with the chullet. and you know. So you go out and you have two slices of pizza and have a falafel and some greasy French fries. Your mom is feel Sunday morning. You feel like you're never going to make it to shul, right? It's like forget about it. So most guys Sunday morning we decide. That's it. We're going on a diet because anyway Sunday morning you have heartburn, you're not hungry, so you might as well start your diet when you're not hungry, right? I I, I can't tell you how many Sunday and you girls know what I'm talking about also but girls have a rule the rule is that you don't start a diet on a weekend you start Monday morning am I right Monday morning so so I don't I I, I don't understand that But I do a little bit so if you're starting a diet Monday morning you specifically go out Sunday night and you eat till you can't eat anymore because I'm going to diet anyway I'm starting I might as well eat and you go and you buy cake and you buy stuff and you stuff your face because I'm going hello if you didn't stuff your face you wouldn't have to diet so much you know So it's because every time you're going to start a diet on a Sunday night, you stuff your face, and then Monday you don't diet anyway, it ends up that you have to... So I'm in the same posture as you guys, and what happens, I make up my mind, Sunday morning, that's it, I'm starting my diet. But by Sunday night, I'm starved. So I don't have that feeling anymore, and I'm like, it's Sunday. You don't start a diet on Sunday. (laughs) So Sunday night, you have to eat. You eat the leftover churro, leftover kishka, or you go out to eat, right? And then, by Monday morning... Already, I ate so much, the diet's not going to work, nah, 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 and you never start your diet and it doesn't happen. When you have that thought, after showers, when you feel bloated, not you, me, and you feel like your momish is coming out of your ears and you, 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 you're sick, if at that moment you make up, not that I'm going to eat you know, tomorrow, anyway, if you make up that moment, that's it, I want to remember this feeling, and you take an action. You take some kind of action. I don't know. You take all that stuff out of your cupboards and, and you give it away to, a, to a Yeshiva. I don't know what action. You take an action that's combined to your thought, you got a good shot that it's going to last. So Avram Avinu knew this secret. So when Hashem came to him and said, do the Akedas Yitzchak, he knew that there was wood on Maria, But he also knew it's going to take him three days to get there. And during those three days, if he doesn't do an action that thought's going to be like, maybe Hashem wasn't talking to me, maybe it's an were to bring my, it's, he's going to lose it. So what did he do? Hashem came to him and told him, the next morning he got up early, he ran outside and he did an action, and he chopped the wood right away. Not when I get there, because he figured if I'm going to say that when I get there, I'm not going to get there. And therefore what he did is he chopped the wood, he did an action to his thought right away, and he carried his action in front of him, for those three days, that wood that he chopped, he said, I already, and, and it works. And what I'm telling you works. Because he's, what does he say? I already chopped the wood. So, I might as well bring the carbon. If you didn't chop the wood, it's like, oh, you're gonna have to go chop wood, and who knows how, what kind of wood. But if you already did an action, you're already halfway there. was without a Misa, it, it, it stays in Machshova, it doesn't become a Misa. Makhshavah means a thought, a thought without an action. So Avram Avinu taught us a big secret here. That when anyone in this room makes up their mind, whatever it is in life, you have a thought about change, don't leave it in the thought process. Immediately, when you have that thought, do something. Or novel, right here. You know how many people came to me? Well, well see, you stole my idea. You stole my idea opening a place for women at night. Oh, I, I didn't steal your idea. I acted on an idea. You didn't act. I acted. I had an idea. I walked in. I talked about it. The girl said yes. One thing led to another. Have a good day. The high school that I have was an idea. A guy came over to me, an idea. He expected me never to talk to him for another three months. I knew that when I left that ice skating rink, after I spoke to Louis Wells and he said, we have girls and they don't have a school, I knew that if the next morning I don't call Rabbi Max and this one and Rabbi Greenwald and that one and this one to do it, I am not going to do it. So I had to immediately make those phone calls started going, oh, so Greenwald will have to call me back, and Max had to call me back, and this one had have to call me back. So now I'm involved. So now the answer is saying, ah, I already did stuff. I'm not going to sound stupid when I t- tell someone. So when, when you have, that's the difference between people who have ideas and people who do things. Everybody has ideas. You walk around all day long. I can't believe this person made a million dollars on this. This was my idea. I can't believe they came up with this. This was my idea. Yeah, the difference between them and you is they, they cut wood right after they had the idea. You didn't. He said, when I get there, I'll cut the wood. And it doesn't happen. And that's what we learned from my Yitzchak. And therefore, on Rosh Hashanah, when you say I Yitzchak, what you're telling Hashem is that today, that I'm asking forgiveness, right? That I'm asking forgiveness, I'm going to take action. I'm going to do something about it immediately on Rosh Hashanah or after Rosh Hashanah, even on Rosh Hashanah, whatever it is, I told the boys yesterday because we're talking about going home. I'm, I'm from German descent, I'm a Yekka, never on time, but that's, my, that's where I come from, and there's a beautiful minig that the German Jews have, my father, Oliver Shalom, told me about this, and I even have one letter, there's one letter in our family that we have, their minig is that the children, that before Shoshana, every child, doesn't matter how old you are, writes a letter to their parents. And at the table, Rosh Hashanah night, the parents read the letters that they get from their children. I have a letter from my father. We have a letter that he wrote when he was 11 years old. How he loved them, and he's sorry for this, and he's sorry for that. Whatever it was, it was from an 11-year-old. And, and, and I think that's what God wants to see. I think our Kosh Baruch Hu wants to see. Because the main thing, the main thing in a Jewish life is family. Not your friends. I, I don't want to scare anyone here. You know, and and I'm not anti-friends. I have friends, and I was a teenager once. And the most important thing to a teenager is your friends. And the least important thing is your parents, usually. And that's part of being a teenager. But that's a very, very big mistake. Because at the end of life, or any time a person's in pain or a person's in trouble, they scream, Mommy. When I was a young boy, I used to watch TV, black and white TV. In the old days, you had to actually get up and change the channel. Uh, I I think that if we want to get rid of TV today... That the yeshiva should say, you have to have a television in your house, but it cannot have a remote. Because they're going to stop watching. I got to get up to change the channel. Get that out of the house. I don't want it. Right? So I think that might work. And anyone who's my age knows that those TVs, the channel thing always broke and you had to have a pliers to change the channels. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. So, so those, you know, those, are, the, those are the old days and you know, things, things have, have definitely changed since then. But uh, I, don't, I don't really want to talk about things that I saw on television, but in the old days, in those, in those days, so the big thing were war pictures, were army pictures. Um, it wasn't that long after World War II, and they had all the Japanese pictures. Every movie, when the American soldier was dying, right, on the battlefield, he would ask for two things. A cigarette, uh, you know, I got to take one last puff before I die, okay, whatever reason, and his mother. Now, I was not that long ago in a hospital and there were some very old people that were in a lot of pain it's very sad and whoever can be a nurse whoever becomes a nurse I'm telling you right now you can never lose your sensitivity to people once you lose your sensitivity to people please do not become don't be a nurse because the Krishwachu is very strict about how we treat other people so if you're a nurse don't ever forget it's not a job you take that responsibility, and there's an old person who's screaming at the top of their lungs, and they've been screaming for five years. You're the one that's going to go in there and help them, even though everyone's going to tell you, ah, it doesn't matter. Otherwise, don't take the job. In Alma if you take such a job, it's a big job, and you should help people. And I think it's the best thing that in this world is to take a job helping people. But you got to be very careful. I was in the, I was—I don't want to say the hospital, and I was walking to, to visit someone, and there were, old, it was a jihad, it was an older people on that floor, and there were mommish. must have been five or six people in a lot of pain, and all they were screaming was mama. That's it. Not Sarah, Judy, all their friends when they used to hang out when they were younger, not one friend's name was in there. Not even their children's name. I listen, I, I learn. I like to listen and learn. I listened to what they were screaming. They weren't screaming Hanalah and and, and No, they weren't screaming their kid's name. They definitely weren't screaming their husband's name. Right, they were in a lot of pain and all they were screaming was mama, 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 help me that's what it's all about that's what it's all about that's, uh, there's, a, there's a connection the child has to know that the parent is there you name me, I'm there for you so I gave it to my boys last night and I said, you know I think that you need all to write letters to your parents I think it's a beautiful thing, Rosh Hashanah it's a very beautiful thing don't wait everybody here till it's too late. Don't wait till Chas Rosh they're in a box. And then by every, every funeral you go to, you have everyone screaming, Be Michael Me! Please forgive me for what I did! Why do you have to wait till they can't feel you, touch you, or hear you? Why don't you ask them for a this Rosh Hashanah, when your mommy can give you a kiss and a hug? Or your, or your father can give you a kiss and a hug and you can see them smiling that they're happy that you finally are talking to them and you finally came back to ask for forgiveness or for whatever it is no wait till it's too late then it's too late don't visit them in a field somewhere in Israel visit them in their house they're nice and warm and alive and smiley and huggy and cushy what are you waiting till they're in a box yeah 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 you're laughing it's very sad very sad when somebody waits and it's too late. Everyone should have a riches yamen, but we don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. So I think that minog of my of my grandfather and my great grandfather, the German minog, of writing a letter to your parents. And you know, girls have a beautiful way of writing their feelings. We guys, we can't express it in writing. We can't express it. We don't. We can express it in football, but we can't express it in writing. Girls can write. They can really write, and nothing better can they write than their feelings. I think it would be a very big thing if tonight you go home and you write a letter to your parents how much you love them no matter what's going on. And you know what? Maybe if you write them a letter they'll write you back a letter next year. And then you'll really be happy. But you know what? Half of you are going to go home and say, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Well, think about it. Then you're going to do the problem that Rav realm taught us was the opposite. If you want this Makshava thought that I'm going to write a letter to my parents you want it to work and you need to sit tonight and start writing. Start writing. You don't have to write the whole letter. You go home start writing. It's such a big thing. I'm a parent. It's such a big thing. We want our kids to come to us. We want them to, we want them to talk to us. You might not think that. And I know there's a lot of people sitting here and like, you know, you had a good relationship with your parents. You know, you, you, you're telling us to do something that, that's totally out of hand. Well, I want to tell you something that I learned in 32 years. There's no better doctor and there's no better therapist and there's no better teacher than your own parents. And every child Wants the love of their parents. And now I'm not telling you this as children. I'm telling you this when you become parents. Or you are parents. You need to know that the one person that can give that kid a kiss or a hug or a good word. That will mean more than any therapist, doctor, teacher or friend. The one, the two people that can give that kid Hineni Bini is a mother and a father. And don't let anyone tell you differently. So I'm not talking to you as children to your parents. I'm talking to you as parents to your children. Don't ever forget. There's no, oh, what do you mean? I don't tell her anything. Her teachers rave about her. Her therapists think she's great. She's the head of GO. She's the head of that. It's all very nice. But to hear a good word from a parent means everything. I am here, my child. That is what Rosh Hashanah is about. It's about family. It's about togetherness. It's what Akhaz wants to see. And if you want to ensure that your family will be health, healthy spiritually, then you need to do this. You need to have Shalom Bayis in your house. You need to. And, and again, some of us that are sitting in here, you can write letters from here till tomorrow. It's not going to help. But you know what? It's going to help you gonna help you, that's for sure. Cause if you could write those feelings in that letter, it doesn't matter how they react. I mean, it does, but if you could write that, that's already, that's already cleansing, that's already good for you. I think it's a nerdicaminic, it doesn't exist today, I don't know people who do it, and, and I think it's a great, it's a great custom, I think that it's, that it's something that we should do. That answers all the questions that I asked tonight in Akejas Yitzchak. Now, let's go, and we'll finish with this, I know it's 11 o'clock, it's very late, Let's go and just look at all the questions that I asked. Number one, why did he cut the wood? He cut the wood because he needed to do an action that had to do with a thought and he wanted to carry that wood all the time so that he would see that he would see what he did and therefore it would make him easier to do it. He put the wood on Yitzchak's back to teach Yitzchak that wanting to do something is not enough. You have to do an action. I cut the wood you carry the wood. I did the action of cutting and you have to do the action of carrying and that's what we need to do we need all of us to take action to have a good thought and to follow it up with action there's a the Gemara now that we're learning in Dafyami I'll let you go the Gemara that we're learning in Dafyami talks about Eov Eov suffered very much and the question is why did he suffer so much and the answer is that there were three I'll tell you very fast there were three advisors for Paro about throwing the Jewish kids into the Nile River. Yisro said no. He left. He ran away. Bilam said yes. Throw them. Paro said yes. Eov didn't say anything. Why didn't Eov say anything? Because there was a vote if they should throw the kids in. Yisro had left already. There were three left. Paro, Bilam, Eov. Eov knew that if he's going to get up and say, don't throw the kids into the river, He's going to lose anyway because Pyro voted yes and Billum voted yes. She said, I'm outvoted anyway. Why should I open my mouth? For that, he was punished that he got more pain than any other human that ever lived. Now, to all of us, what did he do? He just didn't say anything. He didn't say, I agree. What did he do? What's the mida kinegimida? The answer is, scary answer, the answer is that when a person's in pain, he screams. But the screaming doesn't help. If your finger is broken and you're screaming, ah, you fix your finger? No. Does it fix your pain when you scream? No. But you scream anyway. Said Hashem, it should have bothered you even though you couldn't vote. It wouldn't have helped. But it should have bothered you enough. You should have been in pain that they're going to throw Jewish kids into the river. You should have been in enough pain that you should yell. Therefore, since you didn't yell even though it wouldn't help, I'm going to give you pain where you're going to yell and it's not going to help why am I telling you this when you stand Rosh Hashanah it's not only for you we all know people that are in trouble you have to feel their pain Rabbi Wallstein, I can't do anything for her I'm not a doctor I'm not a psychiatrist I'm not a marriage counselor I don't have money even if you can't do anything for her you have to feel her pain and you have to daven for her. On Rosh Hashanah, you have to daven for Klai I'm begging everyone in this room, I know that everyone in this room needs a lot of stuff. We all have our shopping list. But don't forget about the pain of the other person. You scream in pain for the other person, the mida the is that Klai and you will not have any pain that year. Because if you're showing that I feel the pain of somebody else, then you don't need to have your own pain so it's for your good also so the two things we need to walk away from tonight is number one, start your diet on Sunday no I'm kidding, number one when you make a decision to do something do an action immediately actually three things number two, write a beautiful letter to your parents this Rosh Hashanah it's going to be good for you and it's going to be good for them and number three don't forget your and then we're guaranteed to have no more samachs. no more that we're enclosed and we're locked in and there's no way out. It's now going to be an ayin. And an ayin is, is made up of a yud and a zayin, which is toiv. We all have a ksiva, a chasima toivah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.